just wanted to remind you guys that the Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. The second half of the season can be tough to navigate with trends shifting and players going in and out of fashion quickly. If you don't always know what you are looking for or like most busy people lack the time to crunch the stats on every game, having Football Index Trader as your assistant manager can really help. His latest analysis on navigating the second half of the season has just been published, so it's a great time to join. And you can head over to his site now to find out more. So that's footballindextrader.co.uk. So as an exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. So that's F-I-G-25. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 122. And I've got another blockbuster in store. So the last double act was Sigmund Freund and Sam Friedman, which basically broke a lot of the listenership records, even though it was three hours long and it's only been out for a couple of weeks. So I'm scared to think how many downloads that one will have in about two or three months time for another big episode. I'm joined by two returning guests. First up, Big Don for your third appearance, is it? Actually, Fig, you've got that wrong. It's the fourth. You know what? I was doing the research and I was like, Don's been on, this is going to be his fourth time. And I couldn't find the fourth. That was way back, way back in history. Way back. It's like a recurring soap opera. (laughs) Got to get you on at least once every six or nine months, isn't it? It it would be wrong not to. How have you been doing? How are you feeling about the index at the moment? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's just like, it keeps flowing on, rumbling on. There's always something to talk about. It's like a slow burning thing. Just goes from one thing to the next. I'm not going to say crisis, one crisis to the next, but there's always something to talk about, something around the corner. Yeah, of course. We hope it's usually more positive than negative. I'm sure we'll get into some of that stuff at some Definitely. point during the show. You're not alone, though. We are joined by, I mean, CJB Sacred, or now just CJB. Chris, how are you doing, mate? I'm great, mate. Thank you very much for having me back on. You had a stellar appearance in episode 93. This is your second one, so about six months on. Got you back on, and I thought it'd be good to couple you up with the big man himself and see what's going on, really. What partner? Not playing <laughs> like that. <laughs> How have you been doing for the last six months? Great, yeah. I'd say the last four or five months, I've just been trimming down my portfolio. Originally had 150 players, now down to like 60-something. Everything's going good. What's been the main reason for that? I think more confidence in what I'm doing. When I was originally on the, the pod, I'd only been... On the index for five, six months. So, Oh, so this is around about your year anniversary, isn't it? 14 months. Ah, okay. Not too far then. Just over, yeah. Fair enough. The big happening since we've both been on last time in the last six months or so will have been the uh, dividend increase. Like just thinking yeah, about true. that. That's probably the massive thing. Because obviously a year ago we had the share split and then the big thing the other month was the dividend increase, which was quite something, quite a surprise. It was, wasn't it? And I think you boys must have enjoyed that for sure. I do want to get into it because, of course, we had way too many questions, way too many to answer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to apologise in advance this time. Usually I do that at the end because there was just so many this time. So many popular men, you know, forum, Slack, DMs, Twitter, it, it was all going off. Westy from the forum says, with a thousand plus players being held, is Index Big the trader responsible for Peter Crouch? Peter Cech and Tim Cahill still being on the index with FI refusing to clear them out as someone still holds them. 
Can he do us a favour and sell them? I don't actually think I've ever owned them. You never know, maybe they just crept in there somewhere. But who we've got Crouch, check. And who's the other one? Tim Cahill. I think he was up in Tim the media, media buzz rankings the other day, wasn't he? Yeah, there was someone on Twitter said that his worst trade ever was Tim Cahill, a retired Tim Cahill. <laughs> yeah. At 14p, I think it was. The cheapest player I sold was uh, Aaron Robin after he retired, and I put him onto the market at 8p. And I was quite pleased to see him sell because then it gave me a lot of confidence in the platform because I thought you can sell any old shite here. So. How did that feel for you, Don? Because I suppose it's the first time, and considering you, you hold players for a long time, that maybe you didn't... Did you end up kind of net positive on Robin after the sale? I can't even remember. I think I'd sold him originally and then I might have got in at 8p just because he'd retired or something might have happened and I bought and then thought, no, I'm going to have to get rid. So I felt stuck. I don't think I'd be able to get rid and put him for market sale and he, he went. And then about a month after that or two months or whenever... He went up to 16p again. I thought, <laughs> God, it's just... I mean, sometimes it is. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, mm. I mean, you just think sometimes it is, like, really I think it was a Premier League club. I suppose it could be a bit like a Zlatan sort of circumstance where these old retired players, or nearing the end of their careers, have some use, don't they, for certain short-term contracts. I'm yeah. sure it was like a Premier League club that was got promoted. He got linked to one of them. Was it maybe Everton after Ancelotti went there? No, I don't know. Uh, I can't even think. It just shows, it doesn't take much, does it, to rekindle the flame? (laughs) It just takes one sun article to to rise a player, so... I was going to say, sometimes a player gets sold off so much, and I think you see it all the time on Twitter, where people say, oh, like he's got to this price, he's only going to keep going down. And I suppose with retirement, it's completely different, because for me... No amount of, well, I say no amount, but it would it would take extremely massive upside for me to be getting on a player that's just retired because I, I suppose that's kind of very risky and not the way that I trade. But in terms of players that kind of go down a lot and people just are scared of them, sometimes they can breed the, the best opportunities. I mean, I think recently we've seen that with Haaland, Bruno Fernandes, where people are kind of like, that's me out. I think he's going to be going down a lot more. And the index is a very fickle beast, isn't it? Where people can change their minds quite quickly and the market changes very quickly, doesn't it, Don? Sometimes, yeah, it's like the word is irrational. I mean, you'll think something's definitely going to, some player's definitely going to go down like Haaland, like you're saying. He'll reach a certain price point, say, people probably thought. I think I sold some of it 264. I sold like about 90 shares of him, but I kept the bulk of my holding. And then people sold at £3. And then you keep thinking he's peaked. And then all of a sudden he's up to £6. And he's never been close to winning PB, has he, really? But, I mean, he was just scoring so many goals. And there's only so much room, isn't there, for all them traders? Because we've got more and more traders coming onto the platform now, and it's supply and demand. So when someone like Harlan's scoring like goals for fun, then there's a rush to get on him. And then it could work the other way as well. And then you get some big price drops. That is a good point. The, the kind of like supply and demand aspect that we have way more traders on now than we have. And I think, Chris, you've been monitoring the kind of trader increase, almost detective-like. You make it sound difficult, but it's a few <laughs> clicks away based off the forum user number, basically. When they issue the new users, the forum, it's normally news year, and then a the number afterwards. I think it's up to 560k. I had a friend sign up yesterday, and his number was just over that. That is a large number, how far we've come. Do you feel that that's a positive, Chris, or a negative? I know that's a strange question to ask, but I think you know what I'm kind of getting at here. We've had 60 plus thousand new users sign up from 2020 onwards. Do you think we felt the effect 
or how it feels to have a 10% increase in, in users or you know, another 60,000 signups? Generally, when someone first signs up on the index, they dip the toe. They don't really commit to anything financially, which is the sensible thing to do. And I encourage that for anyone that is joining for the first time. You really want to understand the product first before you actually put any substantial amount in. So I don't think we have actually felt the effect of it yet. I think over the course of the next few months, we probably will. I guess it's just have to wait and see. I guess the more people that join, it's kind of less of a race to get money in as well, isn't it? When the price movements are less drastic, I suppose. The last year we kind of had like all the big boys flying and I'm sure some people with deep pockets looked at this and went, wow, you know, there's still a long way to go for some of these lot and just kind of plowed in the likes of yourself, for example, Chris, which I'm sure yeah, you yeah. can attest to. What was your thinking when you kind of joined and then what was the decision that made you go big finally? I think seeing all the positivity about the top end of the market helped a lot with the price stretching for the top end players. Obviously, with the shares that everyone presumed and assumed that the top end would move. I think just that sentiment from Twitter, the forum, etc. helped. It certainly gave me confidence to invest in the bigger players. We've got another question here, a miscellaneous one. Another one for you, Don, from Bobby Axelrod. You're somewhat infamous for buying nearly everyone ages ago when they were pennies-ish. When was the last time you bought someone for the first time? That is a good question. I must have missed that one. Who have I bought recently? I'm going to have to go into my account now. Normally, I just top up, trying to find someone that I bought for the first time. It's quite a while ago. Probably someone like one of them IPOs, like Cherokee, that I got on late. The other one for Paris Saint-Germain, the AA, however you pronounce <laughs> that one. A, a dealish. <laughs> double A, a Yeah, we'll call him Double A. The battery. See, I'm not one to meddle with the IPOs, but when sometimes he's in the right place at the right time, and with AA there was a bit of a cock up with the IPO, and then they had to suspend the market till 3 p.m. And I just so happened to be on my computer, so I was in place at 3 p.m. to take advantage. And then the price moved really strangely, didn't it? It moved really slowly, and it was like at one pound fifty-five to one pound sixty for minutes. And I was thinking, oh, there's something wrong here. What? Like, and I just kept buying him. I bought 1500 which is quite a lot for me because I do like to spread it out a bit. And I've just left him since. So he would be the last one that I've bought and I'm going to keep a hold of him like I normally do. It's a bit like misery in my portfolio. Once they get in, these footballers, they struggle to get out again. <laughs> it's like a maze. <laughs> yeah. And the other one was the Chelsea defender, Tamori. Tamori, yeah, yeah. My phone started going berserk with index gain slack sort of alerts and I could see something going on with him. I think his price stuck. So I quickly sold a player. Because my wife's not letting me deposit anymore. <laughs> Selling, Don, that sounded like you. Yeah, so I quickly sold a player like, and just to get some funds, and then I bought him. And then I've been doing a bit of you know, on-the-hoof trading for change. We're going to get into that later, because I'm, I'm curious yeah. to hear how that strategy's been iterated. But just before I do, just want to remind you guys that if you are enjoying the show, I would love it if you left a review on Apple iTunes or anywhere that you listen. It's super easy. Just scroll down to the bottom of the app and leave a review, write some nice words. Or if you hate the podcast, then, you know, give me some feedback. If you guys want to see some video content rather than some audio, head over to my YouTube channel, Football Index Guide, where I released episode eight of season two of the Bank Builder series, which was good fun. And the latest episode of the show was with FI Trader Tom, who's been on about two months, but an awesome episode. It was really good to record and there was so much positive feedback for that one. So, Appreciate all those kind words and I hope you enjoy this one just as much, if not more. You know, every single episode, I want it to be better than the last. Metropolis from the forum. Question for the guest. What is your renewal strategy with such a huge amount of players and high value portfolio? Relying on tech being introduced to tell him 
when each share expires, presumably, and then drip feeding to the market or insta selling and taking a hit. Hopefully, you won't list all at once. Has this been playing on your mind a bit, Don? It is playing on my mind a bit, yeah. I mean, because I joined in November 2017, so this November, my three-year anniversary. Now, obviously, I didn't buy all my players at that point. It's been staggered because I only deposited £400 first of all and then carried on from there over time. But I could do with that facility being implemented by Football Index. So each share will have an expiry on it. I did see the other week on Twitter, there was a lad that had left his portfolio dormant for four years. And he came back to it and everyone had shot up like Coutinho had. He'd sort of bought for 30p and now he's worth £2.50, etc. And it was interesting to note that the shares hadn't been wiped out. I don't think Football Index up to this point have actually voided any shares. They haven't. Like I can't really take a blind eye to it because by the time my shares get to expiry, then they might be voiding by then. So I've got to heed what could happen. Why don't you think FI have done that yet? I think... Because they haven't implemented the technology to make it really visible, then I think they'd probably think it would be a bit unfair to finish the bet at exact three-year point. I know they did do a year-long extension, didn't they? But I think they've even gone past that. So until they implement this more visual expiry, because it's going to be quite complicated, because obviously you might have some shares, you can have different price points for players like different times when you've bought so for me, someone like Tony Cruz, I've probably bought him at 10 different dates. So I'm going to have 10 different expiry points. So the only way I could do it is to look back on the new site and download into Excel your transaction history, which you can do. And then you can easily scroll to the bottom of that. And then you can see every single transaction that you've ever done. I could use that as a guide, but that would be a bit sort of arduous to follow that day by day. So yeah, it's something I'm thinking about, but I'd like them maybe to extend it again because that would be beneficial to me. I don't think it would be necessarily a good thing because we want everything to be functioning as it's meant to be according to the rule. Yeah, it would feel like kicking the can down the road, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I'd like, from one point of view, for Football Index, for the good of them to get it sorted out. But for myself, I mean, I'd like my shares to last for five years and then I can get like even more what I call value out of it. Because I come from a match betting background, like I think Chris does too. Then originally when I started on Football Index, I thought, well, I want to be keeping these shares for as long as I can to get the most value out of them, to get the most dividends in that period of time and pay as little commission as possible. Now, over my two years, I've had to sort of relax that attitude a little bit because I've learned off other people, you know, so you're always learning, aren't you? So you've got to like veer away from your strategy. Chris, I want to pick your brains as well on the share expiry thing. What are your frustrations with this? I'm thankful that um, oh, I haven't been on as long as Don, for example. So I'm pretty confident it should be addressed by the time any of my players come anywhere near the three-year mark. I mean, you'd hope so. Yeah, definitely. It'd be interesting to see if they actually have anything in place to automatically remove a player. I doubt they do. I think they just have the you know the three-year bet because policy needs it with them being a gambling company. But yeah, I'm just thankful I don't have to deal with that. I was almost thinking of buying one share in each player that I have. Obviously, that's a lot. And then hoping that that would reset the three-year time period again. And then when they do implement it, maybe they'll uh, wipe all slates clean and class the three years from the point when they implement the technology. Say they get it all singing and all dancing on April the 1st this year, take the three-year expiry from then. That's like best-case scenario for myself. I don't think that would happen, but who knows? 
I would love to know how long it would take for you to buy one share in every player in your port. Yeah, it took me an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's something that might just come with order books alongside the kind of Nasdaq integration, but I guess we'll, we'll see. FI Gardener, once again, with another question, another good picture. Well, not good picture this time, actually. It was all the trees that had fallen down after the uh, oh, I saw that, yeah. Storm Kira. Is that it? Kira? 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 Yes, Storm Kira. Kira. I think people are pronouncing it like 15 different ways. Great guest, Fig. So I'll take the plaudits for that one. Do you both feel showing the community how big your portfolios is good for FI? I get it shows how much confidence you have in the product, but does it also encourage people to over-deposit? Don, I mean, I think you've been inspired by people who did show their kind of like portfolios. So why don't you give us some of the positives and negatives of this? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I was inspired early on by ASP, like on your podcast, and he spoke about the product, and that made me think, yeah, I was quite liking the product by then anyway, so that was January 2018. He sort of inspired me. When you got on Twitter, that's half the reason why I speak in the third person on Twitter, you know, like I say, like Don's done this, Don's done that, because I don't actually like boasting about it. But then you think, well, if you can illustrate what goes on and what can happen, then other people are like, it's good for the product. And then there's quite a lot of arguments and banter happens because of like people posting their portfolios or whatever. Like I might post, I've got Cristiano Ronaldo and then PB Man will say like, you're there. What about the opportunity cost of holding him? And then it, it sort of prompts discussion from there. Do, do you enjoy those conversations, Don? Yeah, there are. Yeah, I mean, challenges your thinking as well. You know, what you find on Twitter is you take your standpoint and then someone else takes their standpoint. If you discussed it in the pub, you'd probably meet in the middle somewhere, like what me and Panda did when we were on the podcast. But on Twitter, you're sort of more inclined to stick to your guns, aren't you? But then you do think about that. You do think about the other person's point of view as well. All this posting your profits it just shows what can be done on football index i'd hate to think that people over deposited because of it because that's one of the key things not to do is over deposit that's one of my big things is deposit what you're comfortable with not just from a responsible gambling point of view but because it leads to better trading decisions if you deposit too much and you think oh i need to withdraw in the next week because I need to pay for holiday or pay for Christmas, then you're going to be selling players because you need to pay for something rather than selling players because of a good reason, you know, a good trading reason. That's an important point. So I wouldn't like to encourage people to deposit too much. In fact, when people do message me, DM me, that's one of my big points. I just say, always just put in what you can afford, like any gambling. Chris, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this subject as well, because I'm, I'm presuming that you were also inspired, as you mentioned previously, by uh, a few of the, the guys on Twitter with the bigger portfolios. What are your thoughts? Basically, just adds another form of making it more legit. You know, like when they signed with NASDAQ or with Nottingham Forest, when you see other users with huge portfolios, it just adds another level of confidence. I mean, when I saw well, Don was one of them, for example, SOTD, PB Man, EJ, Lee Butler. When I see that they have so much invested in, in the product, it gives me a little bit more confidence to go big. So it, it definitely helps. What about the other side of things, the over-depositing things that uh, Gardner has mentioned? It is worrying because I think a lot of people do overstretch. People using FI as like a savings account, comparing it to a bank, etc. Obviously, at the end of the day, it's still gambling. It's still a risk involved. I'm not sure how... FI would count that other than doing what they're doing and preaching like responsible gambling. I think that they started to do that a bit more. I do think there is an opportunity to go from gear kind of two in that aspect to gear four, 
where you really push this as a alternative to traditional gambling, not the kind of, we've seen the Bitcoin comparisons, we've seen the comparisons from traders to kind of ISAs and so on and so forth, which I really dislike because this is a gambling platform. If it went bust tomorrow, there'd be no guarantees that people's money would be hit, which is something that like, if you have up to a certain amount of money in a bank, you can be guaranteed by the government that that money is going to be safe no matter what happens to the economy short of like, you know, an actual currency completely dying, you would be okay. And even then there'd be some sort of like backstops. It's very correct what you're saying about what you've got all this money tied up in one particular company, which if a financial advisor came to see me, he'd like freak out at how much of my wealth I've got in football index, for instance. But then I'd pull it back and say, well, I've done a bit of research on the company because I've been to trader meets. I've seen how the community is i've seen the enthusiasm for the product so i've done the homework and i'm satisfied that the company's means well and is doing well and is making progress i know they have a little stumbling blocks i think at the minute the priority is nasdaq and implementing all that i think sometimes when they, they get hell bent on rolling something out such as the nasdaq order books or even back when the dividend increase in the share split there's always been sort of little niggles to coincide with endpoints but i think overall they mean well I've got confidence in the company, but it's something worth thinking about. How much money do you want to put in? I think some good words there from both of you and definitely is a gambling platform. You know, there was a question later on about, I think it was asked by Headhunter. I don't know if we'll get time to cover it, but it was view it as an investment or a bet. And, you know, there is only one real answer to that. But I think we can kind of talk about that one now. When you are using your money on FI, like how do you view that as a thing, if that makes sense? One of the things I think about overriding, I've got complete faith in Football Index for one reason or another to do with themselves because I've seen them, I I know who they are. I've been to the trade meets, I've just said about that. But one of the big things about the actual individual players, for instance, they're all going to end up at zero, aren't they? That's something that everyone's got to bear in mind. It's a bit like, I just thought before, like me, analogies, but you know, it's like a house on top of a cliff with an eroding coastline. They're all going to fall off the cliff at some point. So in 10 years' time, half my portfolio will be worth zero. So at some point, I'm going to have to get off. So in effect, we are trading bubbles or we're trading individual little pyramid schemes, aren't we? They get brought onto the index, say Lionel Messi, he comes onto the index, he peaks, he's still peaking now, but in five years' time, Lionel Messi very likely be worth zero. You know what I mean? So all my stock that I've got in my football index is going to be worth zero in the end. So it's like a little game that we're playing. It's far different from the stock market. Most companies... I know they can go bust, but not all companies go bust. Like the idea is that companies remain for a lifetime. I think you've got to be careful. Like you say, I see it more as gambling on individual players. And there's huge risk involved because you're gambling on, because it's a long-term bet, even if you trade short-term. When you set that bet on, it could last for three years. You're betting on that player, that person's life. In the time that I've been on the index, two players have died. There could be career-ending injuries at any point. So that's part of the reason why I have a really diverse portfolio because I do have quite an appreciation for injuries and how it can go wrong and how someone could come from £6, something that he's in a car crash, like it could be 50p tomorrow, and then you've got like £10,000 wiped out. So you've got to bear this in mind when you place that bet. Yeah, I can't get my head around traders that have like four or five players in the portfolio or have, like I've seen a recent tweet of Panda having how much in Sancho? Like 100k in Sancho. Yeah, over 15,000 futures. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, he's got balls of steel. I, I would <laughs> never be able to do that. It's fair play to him. 
like if I had that much and I'd have a bodyguard, hire a bodyguard to go around with Sancho. <laughs> but Panda likes to, he says that diversity is ignorance, which is, that's his view. And he likes to go for the jugular. He practices what he preaches. At he least. practices what he preaches. Yeah, so it's fair <laughs> play to him. The other thing is Panda must think if he loses that 88,000 pounds or whatever, for whatever reason, I hope it never happens because I'd rather Jaden Sancho went on to be a great player, this, that and the other. But, Someone like Pandy could probably make it back in the next mm, few months or year. So if Football Index went bust tomorrow, I wouldn't lose my house. My kids would still go to school or whatever. So I still continue or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, my actual lifestyle would remain the same, and then I just have to like really work to make it back over months. But that's the sort of thing you got to think about, mm. and I'm sure Pandy's thought of that, and that's fair play to him, and he'd probably deal with it if it happened. I genuinely think he's in a in a similar position to you. Actually, he wouldn't lose his house etc etc and I think a lot of people should think about the worst case scenarios and it's completely it's a probabilities game right whether we're talking about FI or we're talking about Jaden Sancho right the chances of Jaden Sancho going down I don't know let's say 80% in the next three years versus the chance of him increasing 80% of the over the next three years I think whatever time frame you use to the underlying for that I think you just got to look at it as probabilities and then I think there is that kind of anxiety or fear of having all your eggs in one basket but I think when you calculate all your kind of decisions in a very probabilistic way it definitely helps allay that kind of fear as well yeah definitely I mean everyone's different I mean like say if you had 100 million in the bank you could just do what the hell you wanted then (laughs) I don't think you'd care too much yeah you wouldn't care so you can like trade with gay abandon so to speak whereas like the likes of myself you've got to sort of have a bit of an eye on your lifestyle and how you're going to affect your lifestyle. So there's a lot of psychology comes into play as regards to that. Right, we've got loads of questions here, gents, about your strategies, respective strategies. So uh, Football Index Trader, first question, he says, could you guys share your selling thought process and routine when you see a player in your portfolio drop consistently? Would you stick to your original opinion or would you cut losses quickly once you have reassessed why you bought the player and possible reasons to sell? And Chris, I want you to go first because I saw your video of your portfolio today. Saw a couple of trades that haven't gone well so far. So I think maybe this question is best answered by you first and foremost. Yeah, someone in the comments asked me because I had Jorginho in the sell queue when I posted my portfolio earlier today. And he asked me why, what was the thought process on that? and Generally, I don't short trade at all. I normally hold a player for a few months at least. And that's what happened with Jorginho. At the start of the season, his PB scores were looking great. He was going to go to Euro 2020 with Italy. Everything looked great. But obviously, two or three months down the line, his PB scores have kind of dried up. And like a lot of the PB players lately, they've been crashing. So I took the decision to just put him in the Selkie. I mean, he hasn't sold yet, but I mean, sometimes... When I do put them in the Selkie, I'll change my mind, but I'm pretty sure I'm just going to stick with Jorginho. Another similar one that I don't have in the Selkie, for example, is Odegaard. Started the season really well, PB will be maybe going to Euro 2020 with Norway, but I'm so confident that he is going to be a superstar over the next few years when he goes back to Real Madrid that I wouldn't contemplate selling him. What would make you contemplate selling him? Odegaard. Yeah, just a slightly sticky question, but you know, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, because I think a lot of people are quite stubborn with their decisions that they'll just choose. And I'm not saying you're being in this situation, but you're like, okay, he's going to be really, really good. But if it didn't happen, what would be the decision making process or what would have to happen situation wise for you not to think that anymore? I think if he wasn't getting game time when he went back to Real Madrid, if he was just blatantly out of the picture, out of favour, that would make me reassess for sure. 
I quite regularly just kind of scroll through my portfolio and just kind of, right, why did I buy that guy? Mm. Is the situation the same? And just kind of do that every few weeks or so. I mean, obviously, on Don's side of thing, that would be a lot harder to do. <laughs> be interested to see what he says on that. But that's what I do personally. One thing I can do is because I've got like, I've got, I think I've got 1,350 players at the minute. So because I've been off for like over two years and a lot of them buys like over a year old, I can use my portfolio as a guide. Like, so I can go down it and say, well, you can order it in profit. So I could say, he's done nothing for two years. And is he likely to do anything in the next two years? No. Put him in the sell queue, for instance. Another tactic yesterday, I think, is it, what's he called? Pavoletti, the Italian player. It was announced that he was going to be out for a further six months because there was a complication with his injury. So like, I think I was pretty much first to that news. So I instant sold him for over 40p and then he's dropped quite a lot today. So sometimes if you hear news, you can use that as a selling tactic, you know, because I've already got the player. Like if I didn't have the player then, I wouldn't have benefited from the news because obviously you can't short on football index. So I do use my... Uh, portfolio as a guide if someone hasn't done anything for two years then i'll think well in this period i can say well i can sell him and then use that money elsewhere so i am going more like that rather than say a year ago i would have just been more inclined to deposit more funds and then buy more players while i remember there was one trade that went horribly wrong in november i don't know if you saw my tweet i had a bit of a sell-off like uh, deadwood i sold a garlo who's obviously just gone to man united i sold him for 15p per share 177 shares, 15p. And, you know, obviously, at the time, I thought, oh, that's him gone. He's in China. He's not going to do anything. And then now he's £1.45. That's a brilliant one. That's a, I think everyone has bad trades, don't they? So I mean, <laughs> you sort of think, well, it's one of them things. So I think my worst trade ever is Pjanic, Jonas. My first time I bought him, nothing but red <laughs> for months on end. Eventually sold him, but I'm not going to buy that guy again. Then the PB divs increased. And he's posting good scores at the start of the season. And I buy in at £3 something, just over £3. What's he now? Just over £2? Yeah, I topped up at about £3 or over. So I make a hell of a lot of bad trades, but I make some good ones as well. But I, th- I think you'll probably agree, Chris, you make your money from gambling. Like You have to have a certain acceptance that, like one of my phrases is losing is part of winning. You know, So if I lose you can handle it because if you weren't prepared to lose in the first place, then you'd never win. On the gambling side, match betting side of things, it's all about some things are plus EV and some things are minus EV, as long as you're getting the, the plus ones more often than not. Just explain that, Chris, for people that don't really know those acronyms. Oh, sorry. EV is expected value. Basically, you want to be, on the gambling side of things, you want to be having as much plus EV on your side, and if you got a large enough sample, eventually, I mean, obviously, some of the bets you will win will lose, sorry, even if they are plus EV. Over a large sample, you want to be on the, the right side of that. I think in, in a growing market like Football Index, a lot of trades will be expected value on the, the plus side of things. Like at the moment, I'm, I'm guessing the majority of traders are winning, mm. but I think that's been discussed a lot in, in previous pods, so I won't go too much <laughs> into that side of things. <laughs> it has been discussed a lot, and I think it's something that will continue to be discussed until we do reach that kind of, I guess, saturation point or whatever people want to call it, the kind of market cap. And I do think that is very far away considering how much FI have to grow as a company and as a market, but we'll see. I mean, uh, Don, uh, Football Index SOTD, who uh, hit 9,000 followers today. Congrats to him. He's done that all with a stock image of a circular ball of cash or whatever it is. Fair play to him. I do rate it highly. What are you on now, Thick? Must be 17,000. 16.6. That's that's happened quickly. 
I tried to explain it to one of my friends the other day who didn't really, or a colleague who didn't really know what I was doing with this thing. And I was like, it's, it's very, it's not quite surreal. It's always like a shock yeah. to see that many people. That's another sign of how well uh, Football Index are doing, isn't it? To see like your yeah. followership on Twitter to go up. Like even myself, I'm up to 6,000 and it's gone up quite a lot in the last two months. And then you take that as like, they're all little signs of the enthusiasm for the product. You know, I like one of my little benchmarks is index gain in the premium category for, you know, for subscribers to index gain. I think they've got like nearly maybe 1,600 people paying eight pounds for the data product, which is another sign that people are willing to pay to receive a service that's to do with football index. So it's all little signs, you know, like the, Numbers of users on the forum, 500k, it's all going in the right direction. I think one of the good things is, like, just because touch on this, because you just mentioned it before, about it's like growing and growing and growing. One good thing for me is there is a clear path to zero. Do you know what I mean? Like, say Lionel Messi, I know I've said this before, but he's going to crash at some point, isn't he? And the skill is getting off in time. So we haven't seen many crashes yet. I think we saw a crash on Griezmann. Maybe three years ago, we saw the crash on Zlatan, but then he's recovered. Like, it's been many crashes, but I think something to bear in mind is like in the next five years, I don't think the whole market will crash, but individual players will crash. And there is a pathway to zero. Just going back on the Robin topic, Don, do you think your ability to figure out when you jump off that player, so you still in, are in that green zone in terms of the expected value? Do you think that will have to improve or do you think it's already improving because of the likes of Robin and so on and so forth? Do you think it's improving for myself? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I know you've got so many players. and When I started off on Football Index, obviously my initial thought was, that like most match bettors, you see match betting or, or betting in general, you're dealing with one set of odds. You're betting on a football match on Saturday and it happens and it's over with. So when you look at Football Index, I think this is what puts uh, professional gamblers off or match bettors off football index you see that massive spread so someone might be £3.30 buy price £3 sell price you've got that spread in the middle plus the 2% commission that's on the total stake and the profit or loss you pay the 2% which is quite a big commission to pay so it's hard to see the value in it when you're used to betting on match odds for instance or first goal scorer the value in football index is more over time when I first started I thought I want to get like I said before I want to get maximum value out of my shares. So I'm going to make them go for three years. And then if there's good reason to sell, then I'll sell them on the way. And then I'll pay less commission and I'll get the most dividends out of each particular share. Now, I've had to moderate that over time as I've seen people like Ginger Perlow, short-term traders come on, people like Panda being more aggressive, people like Chris, he's put his uh, portfolio up there today and I've, I might have a look at that and I'll think, well, how's he doing it? It's like you get little snippets of information in your podcast. Someone might say something that rings a bell. So at the beginning, obviously, I was a novice football index trader. And then you gain little bits of insight on the way and then hopefully that improves you. Speaking of followers, Chris, you, you just hit a thousand. And I was saying before we started recording, you haven't even got football index in your name. So that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I need to help my Twitter game. You I need think. to up uh, the game, was, mate. You've thrown out all these big figures. I was keeping quiet back here. <laughs> mate, you got the potential. You got the potential. I mean, we're. Uh, Maybe we do some social media training five minutes after we finish. Don, uh, <laughs> give me some tips. <laughs> just, just reminded myself there. Did you listen to the bloopers reel around Christmas time? Oh, I did. Yeah. What was my blooper again? It was quite uh, tame. I think I wore my underpants for one of the podcasts, didn't I? <laughs> That's my traditional computer attire: underpants and and mouse. Uh, 
My favourite was the ice cream, uh, the little <laughs> kid with the ice cream. I think that was F- the FI investor, wasn't it? FI investor was oh, where no. he, he locked his missus out. Yeah, that's a disaster, isn't it? <laughs> Venga knew had his son who wanted an ice cream really badly. Uh, that was funny. Yeah. I'm hoping 2020s will be even better. But anyway, we've been sidetracked massively by yeah. uh, talking about Twitter followers and so on and so forth. Fibble Index SOTD, uh, congrats to him again. Does Don sell a bit more these days? Must have been some huge spikes on transfers in particular, or is he continuing on the collect and hold path for now? And he says, just to be clear, not making any judgment on either strategy. I do do quite a lot of selling, like particularly in the last year, if I think someone's past the best, or I think I see a good reason to sell such as an injury, then like I've just said with Igalo, I'll sell, that was a bad one. Another example would be when I see an injury, if I'm watching a football match, I think in the summer, Hans Wolf. He was playing for maybe Leipzig or his old club. He snapped his uh, ankle, didn't he? And there was a big sell-off. So I sold off. And then, but within like two weeks, he'd gone higher again. So it's quite hard to time themselves. But if I see an opportunity to sell, especially now that my shares are getting older, then I generally will take it. But I still like to hang on because how often do you hear on Football Index, I wish I hadn't sold him. I wish I'd held him for a bit longer, if only. So... A lot of times you're selling and the player does well after. That's Sod's law, isn't it? But I think I'm getting better at timing sales and not holding my players for too long. Mm. Do you envision your portfolio will shrink in terms of the number of players at some point, Don? It'll probably come down slowly. Like I said before, I'm using my portfolio as a guide. So while like loads of players are in the green, I think I've got like 1,250 players that are in the green. Some of them not much in the green. And then I've got like less than 100 that are in the red. So I must be doing something right. But obviously, I don't think I'm the best trader on earth. I'm doing okay, but I think my strategy will evolve over time. And then, yeah, possibly it'll come down a bit. And then I'll, as I sell players off, then I'll invest into, I'll top up on my best players a bit more, a bit more, not as much as Panda, but uh, (laughs) maybe a bit more, maybe. All comes down to lifestyle, doesn't it? If you don't have the time, then diversify and let the market do its thing. If you have a lot of time and you're doing it full time, like I think Pirlo said, his main source of income now is is football index trading short term and flipping things. And you know, like if you look at the results, uh, you can't really argue with that. He's doing amazing. Oh, no. I spent one day, like I thought, uh, it's the IPO day. You know, when they had that IPO week, I spent one day staring at the computer screen, like waiting for the IPO. And then the IPO came out. I thought I got on quick, and then I looked on uh, index gain, and I was like about thirty seconds behind. I thought, oh. I can't be doing this. So I just <laughs> I move back to what I normally do. See, because I make my money through betting, I'm better off doing what I'm good at, which is traditional betting and doing offers and bonuses and things like that. Like putting that money into football index and taking a very general view on football index as to how things are going rather than a intrinsic sort of short-term flipping view that like the likes of Rob, Ginger Perlo. I mean, it's great that the market accommodates all different trading styles. Chris, I mean, we're going to go on a question here from, from Joe Felix, which was the poker master and the stamp collector. Are you still cleaning up poker tables, as he puts it? Very much playing recreationally now, mm. like the odd tournament here. I used to play cash games for a living um, between 2011 and the end of 2015. But over that period, I played millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of hands online in the cash games, and I got completely burnt out with poker. Mm. Thankfully, I stumbled across match betting i've turned my full focus onto that but since then the last four years or so i've played very little Mm, fair enough joe felix also has a question there for all of us i think 
What were your thoughts on the Super Match Day dividends, having time to reflect on it, and did you adjust your portfolios to get involved with it? I didn't adjust my portfolio, but I was quite happy to see them doing another offer because it shows that they're in a good state to be able to put offers out on the table. And what I think is they got quite a lot of stick from the community over it being quite complicated. But from their point of view, they might be trialing some things, you know, like using the actual match day points to come up with some sort of payment, which is what they've done. I mean, obviously, maybe next month they'll improve on it or maybe they'll learn something that further down the line they'll introduce another sort of scheme. But I haven't adjusted my portfolio and I won't be benefiting from it very much apart from maybe price rises on players as a result of the offer. But it shows that Football Index are in a good place, like they can put these offers out there. Yeah, it's obvious that they want to introduce new things with the transfer dividend and now the super match days. I'm in the same boat as Don in the fact that I just very much see it as a bonus. And if I'm like reinvesting dividends or stuff, I'll get a little bit of a kickback from that, but I'm not changing any strategy. I guess for new users investing for the first time, it's good. Every single player basically is eligible for super match days. I also saw that Stanford recently withdrew, didn't he? Mm. Then he posted up a uh, on Twitter a deposit of uh, 80k. <laughs> so I guess he's making the most out of super match days. Sure. I mean, as I said, the football index world is a fickle beast, isn't it? Both in terms of trader opinions, but also players and, and market movements themselves. What were some negative things that you guys took from the super match day divs? Because I know, Don, you have said it shows that they're in a good place, that they can offer out more money. But was it just one offer too far, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be like you had the transfer offer and then this offer. And I think as traders, we like sort of a bit more fundamental dividends, you know, like maybe if they did team of the week that was bandied about so or team of the month. Or what I thought was you could have a league table based on these points so that say your player got 200 points but finished in third place or did a Kimmich and finished in second place. At least then points count for something and then it goes towards his total for the month. That would be maybe a more simple offer and a bit more user friendly rather than I think with this super match day dividends offer a lot of people even though they're going to qualify for them they don't really know what's going on they're just going to put the money in and then see how much they get out at the end it's not very intuitive as a an offer not like dividends I mean one of the great things about football index is on a Saturday afternoon a gold day you've got the match day leaderboard and all the goings on like and everyone understands it and it changes and it's exciting I think one of the things is Football Index has to be fun, doesn't it? So if Football Index as a company can make the product as fun as possible, then I think everything else will fall into place. And Super Match Day dividends maybe aren't enhancing the uh, fun aspect of the product as much as what dividends do. Well, you know when a lot of experienced traders are scratching their heads after reading the TNCs, there's something wrong. I don't know if your boys listen to me and Panda trying to suss it out. Yeah, exactly. That's not easy, was it? (laughs) No. I think they need to get certain things right. And one of the things they could get right is actually getting the uh, PB league table right, the leaderboard right on a daily basis so that it doesn't stick. Because traders make decisions based on what's happening on a particular day. And it's so good the way it happens in the matrix scoring system. And the fact that you might have a player on 250 points and he's still not safe because Lionel Messi could come along at the end and beat him. And it's sort of like a race, isn't it? to get the dividends. So I think they're moving maybe too far away from that side of it. I just think it had to be more simple. <laughs> like it just Because the thing about, for example, a deposit bonus, it isn't the most smart thing in the world in terms of the complexity and in terms of like innovation. 
Uh, same with in-play dividends, I suppose. But I suppose FI had an opportunity here to do something a bit more creative, but also simple, right? Whether it was the team of the month or just kind of like what they did, but a more simplified version, I don't know. But it just, I think people were just waiting for it to kind of disappear at the moment. Yeah. That's the overarching feeling that I'm getting. There is one thing about it. The proof might be in the pudding. You know, it might be that we're slating it, but I know IPDs, when they got brought in, they got slated in the first month and then people thought after they got paid, oh, hang on a minute, it's not as bad as what we thought. So after a month, maybe if they keep it for next month and people have a bit more of an understanding about it, plus they've had the payment for it, they might start thinking they can start trading more around it. But I don't know. Time will tell. I just thought when they announced the or issued the emails with the super match days, I think, and people were showing one pence, two pence, five pounds, four pounds, and they were basically just laughing at it. I don't think that's a good look, personally. I would love it if over the next two, three months, there weren't any gimmicks, promotions, announcements. The market was just natural and the traders decided things rather than Football Index trying to prod and poke the market upwards. I think it would just grow normally. I kind of hope that's the case over the next two or three months. I kind of tend to agree. I just feel like they need to just chill out with it a little bit. I just don't get how... FI don't see that it's really affecting its kind of like understanding and intuition. But I, I guess let's see. They, they know the product better than us, right? Vespasian's got a question here for you, Chris. When I joined FI, you were more prevalent on the forum than you have become. Any particular reason that you've left? No, I don't think I've left. I, I never really posted all that much on the forum anyway. I don't know. I just sporadically post on the forum. Same with Twitter. I'm, I'm not too active there. I just sporadically post. Rather than tweet, I'd generally comment on other people's tweets. From my perspective, I haven't left at all. No. <laughs> I'm more of a lurker oh, uh, yeah. on the forum. So yeah, I'm one of those. <laughs> I just kind of loiter there and read. Got a good question here from Carl Brown. With both of you having extremely large portfolios in comparison to the majority of the market, what's your opinion on people holding cash balances? Do you hold one also? And for what reason? I struggle so much with the whole cash balancing. Yeah, same. My cash balance is like usually non-existent because if there's a cash balance there, it's going to get used in buying a player or topping up on a player. But I can see the benefit of having a cash balance so that it's there to act if something comes along. So I do see the benefit. But what I've done in the past, if I see something happen, I'll just deposit quickly and then act on it. And it takes a few more seconds. So ideally, you would have a cash balance. But in practice, I'd rather have that money in the market and working for me. I think most people have like the two or three players that I want to buy now. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the cash balance goes. I think the, the vast majority of football index are the same. They just kind of splash out as soon as they get the cash balance or sell a player or, you know, deposit. What about you, Fig? Oh, how do I do? For me, it kind of depends on how busy I am. There'll be parts of my work or parts of the Fig stuff, which means that me having a cash balance is kind of a big opportunity cost on that money being invested because I can't actually spend the time flipping those players shorter term. That being said, when I find more time on my hands, which is getting rarer and rarer, I do try and do some short-term stuff. But I, I do feel that my biggest gains come from going heavy on players that I think are going to rise kind of mid-term and then recycling that money into either longer-term holds or more medium-term holds, if that makes sense. Yeah. The panda approach, is that? Uh, I, I would say we're quite similar Panda is very kind of human in his thinking. Like he very much, and I won't speak to so, too much to his strategy, but he very much looks at kind of the what you'd feel in your gut as being like good holds, if that makes sense. He likes to think of 
the more human approaches as to, you know, how a player fits in a team under a manager, the kind of like sentiment behind those teams, those players. And you've got someone like, for example, PB Man, who has like a very similar strategy to Panda, but for completely different reasons. He is very like analytically based and both have their massive advantages and disadvantages. I would say I'm kind of in the middle, but a B-Tech version of both. If I was to kind of like <laughs> hang my hat somewhere and gun to heads. But yeah, that, that's kind of the strategy that I've employed in the last, I think, 12 to 18 months, I suppose. An interesting point as regards strategy for like a new starter. One thing I'd say is get your own strategy. Yeah. You take things from each person. I might have taken things from Panda from talking to him or looking at his Twitter. I might have taken things from PB Man. You can take a little bit from Ginger Perlo if you want to do a bit of short-term trading. You can read books and think, oh, yeah, that would that would apply to a football index. You know, if you read something or spot something, or, you know, but get your own, be your own trader is yeah. a good bit of advice. Yeah, like you said earlier, Don, so many different ways to trade on football index and make a profit. That is so important, isn't it? Making your own strategy that suits you because it's never going to work the same when you copy someone else, if that makes sense. I mean, there's some people that purely trade injury when a player gets injured, they'll buy on the dip and then just sit on them until they come back from injury and then they'll sell. Like they purely do that and they, they're happy with that, that profit. And that's just one example. There's so many ways. I thought before another way would be if you were a fan of a club and kept up to date with all the news. So you're a Man United fan, got all the news first just by you're obsessive, then you could make that pay, couldn't you? Like by buying and selling as appropriate. Whereas myself, I take a more overall view of the market and I use sort of some things that I've taken from match betting and gambling in general. I see myself as a good loser. You know, losing doesn't really bother me. I can lose whatever, £300, £500. I can even lose £1,000 in a day on Football Index and it's not going to make me lose sleep. You know, I'll come back the next day and it goes on, you know, because I've lost money before and that sort of hardens you to, you know, lost money in gambling, X amount of money and you learn from it, don't you? Long term, it does you good. Yeah, it's the same with me with poker, specifically poker. Swings in a day between being up and down, like my worst day and my, my best day, it kind of desensitizes you to like the losing aspect of it. I think so, yeah. It's like you're practicing losing. And if you can be a good loser, then that can help you in your trading because then you won't make as rash decisions, maybe. It's a bit like Jack Nicholas, the golfer. He won 18 major championships. I think he finished second in major championships 14 times. He said he would never have won as many major championships if he hadn't have been a good loser it comes into it that's like what sam f says a lot of and sigmund there's a lot of psychology in trading because ultimately your frame of mind determines whether you press the sell button or indeed press the buy button it's quite often there's a lot of thought goes into it and it can be how you're feeling how to say you know if you're a trader on the stock market it, it does you good if you've had a good night's sleep before for example because it might affect yeah, trades that you make. A hell of a lot goes into it. Whenever I've tried to short-term trade on game days when I'm hungover, I'm so bad. Like, so, so yeah. bad. I'm never doing it again. Like I've just learned over and over again that I, I tend to lose money when I try and do that. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> Mindset is a, a big thing. You know, uh, like I read a trading book by someone and he, he was saying it's really important to have a almost a sterile office mm. space. So there's no nothing out of place. Everything's in the same place. Well, I didn't follow him up on that because mine's a complete mess. We've got a question here from HRYN. Sorry, Don, I just want to want to move us on because otherwise we'll be here yeah, for another sorry. three hour yeah. special. What would be your advice to someone with an account worth 5,000 to 6,000 pounds who is starting today? 
Would you maintain your 100 plus player strategy or lump it all in a few players? So Don, I think this is one for you. We kind of answered it a, a bit like you've got to come up with your own yeah. strategy. But I always think with football index, the best way is, and Chris alluded to this before, but it's the easy way into it. You might have five or six thousand pounds sitting there in your bank, but I wouldn't say stick it all in in one go, depending on your circumstances. Like the best way to start, and I think Panda said this somewhere. He tweeted it, didn't he? He tweeted it. Just buy a few players that you like yourself. It doesn't matter if they're good for football index or anything like that. Just players that you think are pretty good because you've watched them or you've heard good things about them, and then just see. Like take a month, two months. I don't like these dry runs. I think put a bit of money in and see how it works because it makes it more fun for a start. And just enjoy it and just take your time with it. You don't necessarily have to go out your way to learn the rules. I think, well, obviously it'll help study the rules, but a lot of the rules become apparent as you trade, you know, and like football index is a slow moving thing. I mean, it's probably going to be with me now. I mean, I'm 48 and I've envisaged that I'll still be doing football index when I'm 68. You know, it's that long and you're going to learn things every day. When you're a new starter, you don't have to rush into it. Just buy a few players deposit a few hundred pounds and then when you see another player put another few hundred pounds in and just keep topping up and learn as you go take advice think yeah that's good or other advice might not be good pick and choose and then before you know it you'll have your own strategy progress from there i had a friend sign up yesterday and he told me that he had six thousand to put into the index i basically told him the same just just don't lump it all in Start off small with an amount that you're not afraid to lose and just learn. Just buy players that you like, see how they move, the prices move. And if you need any help, I'm there, like question-wise. So yeah, I completely agree with what Don said. We've got a really interesting question here. And I, again, totally echo both of what you've just said. It's super important to kind of, as you said there, Chris, really only play with money that you can afford to lose to start with. Because I would advise anyone doing anything with their money in that kind of sense, whether it's kind of betting, uh, investing in stocks, whatever it may be, it's money that you can afford to lose. Buzzing Paul here has a good question. How will your strategy or approach to trading change in the run up to and immediately after the implementation of order books? That's a tough question, isn't it? I don't think I'll change too much. I'm more of a reactive trader. I sort of see how things lie and then trade accordingly. I don't have any set plans. I don't really look too far into the future, although that sounds a bit daft because like, I bought a load of players two years ago with the plan of holding for three years, but I just take it as it comes. And when order books comes, I'll look at it. If something obvious happens in the run-up and people start saying, well, you need to be doing this, that, or the other, I'll, I'll listen to that advice and maybe maybe sell a few players or do whatever, but I haven't really thought about it too much. And the same, I mean, you can't really preempt this I mean, you have to kind of see how it unfolds when they get implemented like what the spread is going to be like for example you just don't really know until it's been rolled out yeah i think the biggest happening that i've had in my time on uh, football index was the share split and there was like the same sort of questions what you're going to do after the share split i know it was a bit more of a simple thing because nothing changed really yeah it's, i would challenge that a bit don and say that this is kind yeah, of well, a, a bigger deal don't you think because yeah, it's it like is. yeah i think the share split the the mechanisms of the index weren't changed whereas with the order books we could be looking at a situation where there's a lot less liquidity in some players and a lot more liquidity in players with a lot more demand if that makes sense yeah well that happens anyway doesn't it i mean like Liquidity on the index is very sort of, is it the word transient? It goes from player to player. Like obviously in the last month, Bruno Fernandes has had 
lots of liquidity in him, but would he have had the same liquidity back in October? You know, it, it flows in and out of players, and that's what the order books will cover. So hopefully it'll make it a bit more transparent, but maybe that'll be a bad thing. We don't know yet, but there'll probably be like five good things from order books and five bad things, <laughs> and you'll have to sort of work it out. The obvious bad thing would be like the obscure lower end of the market that doesn't have that much money in. Like, what are the spreads going to be like down there? I assume they'll be big or bigger than they are now, at least. I would presume they'd be a bit similar to if you go out on Betfair Exchange and look at events that haven't got much money in them. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because for FI to really remove themselves from the market and, and basically scale as a business and become a lot more profitable, this is obviously a massive step. That's going to give people opportunities, isn't it? You know, if you see someone at uh, 30p and a spread of fat, so the buy price is 30p and the sell price is 23p and you know something, you can put your order in at such and such price. And then, like, say if you put your order in at the halfway mark, then you're going to cut that spread down 3p maybe. And then people might notice that. And then you might get a bit of activity down there. It might, it might promote activity. Maybe it won't. What's definitely going to be the case is, as you mentioned, Don, they could instigate liquidity themselves fi right i mean they could provide more liquidity than they have currently or less depending on where they deem the risk appropriate if that makes sense i mean it might become a really apparent like the 6p spread on someone comes down to 2p there might be something on the index game gets introduced ig spread do you know what i mean to <laughs> notification that the spread on a player's half or even better and then it kicks off a lot of trading after it so it, it could be good but I don't know yet. Chris, any more thoughts? I'm actually excited to see how they they do it. I mean, the sneak peek they gave with Adam Cole's Twitter Q&A was good. It looked mm. amazing. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to it personally. As far as my portfolio is concerned, I'm, I'm prepared to leave my portfolio largely as it is and take it. It's like a ship. Steer that ship through the air canal. See what happens when we get to the other ocean, which will be order books. Captain Don. Captain Don. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the sort of time of the show where I usually plug in Dex Gain, but I think, Don, you're such a big advocate. Why don't you do my job for me? Tell, tell me what, what they are, what they do, and why they're so great. Bishop, who runs Index Gain with his uh, partner, who's called, is it DCA? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's like the data guy. Index Gain's a Slack app where it's got a chat community, which are, and they're really quite helpful. And you can also, there is some data you can get for free. However, if you subscribe, and I think it's about it's just over £8 per month, uh, you can get a really good data package and then you can really do searches for players and see who's been doing what. It's a really good app and website. And they're always, they're always implementing new things on it. You know, and if Football Index have something new, then Index Game will sort of follow that and come up with a product that will give you the data that you need. If you guys want to find out more about uh, Index Gain, you can head over to indexgain.co.uk and you can use the code FIG2020, £5 off your first month. But that's not all. If you go for a bit of a longer term view, like, you know, Don with his trading, you go for the semi-annual plan, you get one month free and a £5 off discount on top of that, which is uh, not too bad at all. So yeah, if you want to see some amazing data, some great reports such as, you know, who's won the most PB in the last three months or nine months, whatever it may be, then Index Gain is the place for you to go. We've got a question here from Bobby Axelrod again. He says, can I be a twat and ask another? Uh, without getting too personal, you guys seem to make enough in dividends to rival a Vanguard-style index fund. Is this just high-stakes gambling to you or an indication that FI could rival potential retirement long-term saving 
products, which is a, a bit of a stretch, do you think? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying before. It's a bit of a stretch at the yeah. end of the day. I think me and Chris both see it as a gambling platform and then you, after that you make of it what you will. can't really compare f- Football Index to anything else because it's so new. So new that what can you compare it to? But I just see it as gambling and compare it to other gambling that I do. Yeah, I mean, I do actually have a Vanguard Index strategy, 100, <laughs> 100 funds. So, I mean, I've, I've got eggs in both baskets. So I wouldn't put it all into the Football Index. What do you guys think about the notion that we might be able to one day see people trading on behalf of others or institutional money in the index? Like, Do you think that's actually a possibility in the future? I think it'd be a long way away, especially the institutional side of things. You'd never say never. What do you reckon, Don? I think the world's changing like loads as it is, isn't it? There's like more information and like with the computer technology age, the information technology age, everything's just developing so fast. So it's it's like hard to catch your breath. But I mean, I think it's always just going to be pitched as a gambling platform because that, that's basically all it is. And then you can dress it up as much as you want. But at the end of the day, it's a game, isn't it? It even says in terms of conditions, somewhere it says it's a game. You've got to differentiate it from proper stocks and shares and put it more in line with the bootmakers. And I think there is a real... I think a lot of people really underestimate how risky like stocks and shares are if you do them on, on your own. 90% of kind of retail investors that invest on their own don't make money. A lot of the active managed funds don't yeah, make money. Yeah, I mean, the statistics are, are scarily similar to betting, aren't they, in terms of the percentage of people that are actually profit. Obviously, the risks are different. But the money lost and gained sometimes isn't that different. Yeah, that's personally why in my stocks and shares ISA, I invest in global index trackers, the whole market, as opposed to individual stocks, because I know I can't beat the market. I'll just, like you said, I'll be that. (laughs) I'm very unlikely I'm going to be that small percentage of beating the market. So I'm happy to just take the overall. It goes on quite nicely to a question Ben from Twitter's got here. He says, question for all three. Aside from FI, and this is quite personal, so feel free to say piss off fig. Do you have money in other investments such as stocks, traditional index funds, crypto, real estate, etc.? If so, what attracts you to investing in that avenue alongside FI? When I first started uh, Football Index, which was uh, November 2017, it was Bishop from Index Gain, who I mentioned before. He said, why don't we uh, try Football Index? Because people are making money on that and it's more, it can be more of a passive investment or gamble than what we're doing now, which was tr- more traditional gambling. We had various things that we did. At that time, we also started buying bitcoins so i have got some uh, cryptocurrency so i did cryptocurrency bitcoins at the same time as doing football index i think bitcoins are doing quite well now aren't they so they've gone up a little bit but by nowhere as much as what football index has gone up by not as much as, as, Neymar, as, much in. as we well know yeah <laughs> i put about two and a half thousand pounds into bitcoin and i think they're worth three thousand pound now i'm just going to leave them see what happens i'm trading bitcoins the same as i do football index but there's no three-year expiry you're a brave man. They're so volatile, aren't they? Yeah. Chris, any other kind of, you know, investments? Like I said just before, um, stocks and shares ISA and invested in a global index tracker, Life Strategy 100 from Vanguard. Other than that, peer-to-peer lending. Mm. I dabbled in that a little bit with fundingcircle.com. I won't go into too much details, but there's other things other than FI that I've invested money into. The majority of it is in FI, if I'm completely honest. For myself, I've kind of dabbled in the old stocks share stuff but in terms of kind of individual ones as like a retail investor but I just kind of it just wasn't really for me and you kind of need to spend a lot of time researching what you're gonna buy if you're gonna be in that 10% 
tried uh, what else have I tried I've looked into kind of peer-to-peer stuff Chris that's been on my list before but I kind of avoided it in the end crypto obviously looked into that I've probably got I think I've got a bit of bitcoin and a few others locked away somewhere because I kind of work in not in that industry but in an industry which is kind of parallel to it if that makes sense got a lot of my money in kind of like ices and stuff I tend to look at like high interest cash accounts as well if they're if they've got like no freeze rates so if someone opens like a they've got like a new offer for 12 months that this is their rate and you can kind of withdraw and deposit as easily as you can a normal bank account then I'll tend to kind of take advantage of that sometimes a lot of people do it to a far better degree than me but yeah I mean a lot of people say invest in what you know dabbled in kind of startups as well on like Crowdcube and Cedars and so on and so forth so a few different things but I think FI is kind of where I found the the passion and love for it I suppose I think that's what happened to me as well yeah you can try so many things can't you but then when you find something I suppose we're all the same you fall into football index and then you take more notice of football index than what you do anything else by nature because it's fun and then you end up following footballers reading more news stories about them and then like before you know it you're uh that's what football's what you know about. So why not invest in it or not invest or gamble on it? Yeah, some, some good questions there from the Twitter community so far and they don't stop there. FI Jack, how will more Wales be attracted to FI when the fundamental value behind a player's price can be changed so quickly in terms of both on the pitch, new manager, change of position, etc., or on FI, random opt positions and changes? I think a lot of Wales could just be enticed by the amount people are making like percent wise per per year i mean i don't consider myself a good trader by any means but i made 75 percent in a year and there's a lot better traders than, than me for example so just that side of things could attract a few i'm very similar to you chris actually i don't like to see myself as a particularly good trader but at the end of the day i've made money maybe in the last i think i've shown profit in the last say 20 months you're doing something right I think one thing to get whales, you know, and big high net worth individuals involved, you need things to be quite stable, don't you? So like football index hasn't reached that place where its actual rules are set in place. It keep it's got quite a lot of change. Offers coming in, such as this new air, uh, the super match day dividends or whatever they're called. Like you want the game to be finished or nearly finished or like really stable and then you might attract bigger money coming in. Say like poker, everyone knows the rules, so they, they know what they're getting. With football index, you don't quite know the rules as yet because they're not quite finalised and there's a lot of change to come along. And people with a lot of money quite often are afraid of change. Yeah, I think for me, I'd without even going into talk about FI or the market or anything like that, I'd kind of challenge the whole volatility side of things. That's going to happen with anything that you put money in. We just talked about stocks and shares. There are a lot of stocks and shares that can fall 25% on an earnings report. And that's something that you can't control as an investor, right? You can't predict or, you know, there could be analysts who say, oh, this is what a company is expected to earn. If it's below that, then usually they fall or like a black, not black swan event. But I mean, you know, in the the kind of market that I work in, there was a a challenger bank. So a digital only bank that just basically said no longer they're going to be operating in the UK, which is a, a big deal. And if they were a publicly traded company and you had shares in them, I'd probably hazard a guess that you'd have lost some money there or some value. And that's something that you can't really plan for. It's something that you can't predict. And I think the volatility, wherever there are explosive returns, and I think people who are high net worth individuals will definitely understand that, 
there is also volatility, if that makes sense. You can't have the best of both worlds. If it is slow and gradual, then usually it is just that, slow and gradual, and there is no volatility. Definitely. It works both ways, doesn't it? At the end of the day, football index will be a zero-sum game, like everything is. So there will, in the long term, be winners and losers. And for every upside, there has to be a big downside. And the good thing about football index is I can see a big downside. You know, like I said before, every player is going to go to zero. And it's going to be a competition to get off before they get like before the prices drop too much. And we've seen that before. You know, there is there has been mini crashes. I don't think the whole market will crash, but there will be sectors of the market will crash. Individual players are always liable to crash. It is a high risk market. I mean, because you're betting on people's lives basically and careers. And footballers, they're prone to injury. The like the human beings. I think one player got done for drink driving the other day. So you, you're not yeah, just who gambling. Yeah, was that? Jordan on, Ibe, right? Yeah, Jordan Ibe. Like that, how does that affect his career on the pitch? You're not just buying a share in a player for his performance on the pitch. You're buying a share in his life, really, because everything he does off the pitch affects his price. We're all humans. Humans are uh, vulnerable to everyday life pitfalls. Chris, anything to add to that? I'm just curious to see how Dom would label football index, like low risk, medium risk, high risk. Personally, I would I would go medium, medium risk. Like I would consider stocks and shares, global index trackers, like I said earlier that I invest in, I'd consider that a low risk, like long-term investment, buy and forget type thing. But I think with football index, for example, I, I consider it like a medium risk and high reward. That's yeah. why I've invested. I guess, what would be your thoughts on that? Well, you can set your portfolio up. Like each individual player, I would say, is high risk in the likes of Panda, investing so much into Jaden Sancho. That's like a high-risk move. Nothing right or wrong in that. High-risk move. Like someone like me spreading it out over 1,350 players. I mean, I haven't got the same invested in each one. It's like some I've got invested a lot in, some are just like a few shares. But to have that much diversity, it's quite low risk. I see Football Index as a company low risk because I think they'll thrive and keep going in the long term. But I think individual shares will be prone to crashing. So you could say that's high risk. The thing is about Football Index is they have made it, I'm sure they've intended it to be like this, but it is at the end of the day, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, we all enjoy it. And where there is fun, generally, there is money. If you go out to the restaurant, say if you go to a restaurant and buy a meal and it's really good, you're probably getting negative value because it costs £5 to make the meal and you're paying £20 for it. A bit like that with footballers, you, you might might be paying over the odds for some footballers but they can still go up in price even though intrinsically the value's beneath what you paid for them a lot of it's based on fun and if football index can make it fun then people will be like i don't like to use the word addicted or obsessive but addiction or obsession can be good can't it i mean if you want to be a professional athlete you've got to be addicted to the training addiction or obsession can be a positive thing do you know what i mean so i think they can make football index really fun and make people obsessive about it in a positive way if they go about it the right way and then there'll be money in it for everyone i think that's really well summed up not too much to add to that good taking over the host role there there chris i enjoyed that just uh put my feet <laughs> up there <laughs> uh, fi lambings has a question here does fig do the proofreading for the fi promos too bit of a dig there at me cheers so question for both, FI seem to be going from promo to promo, probably due to the influence of board members with traditional gambling backgrounds. Do you think this is the correct strategy to increase trading volume and new user signups? It's good and bad in a way. I mean, we're, we're sort of criticising that they're going from pillar to post with, like, with all these offers coming in and they're trying to boost the market. But I think overall, 
from their point of view, they're just trying things out, aren't they? They're making mistakes, learning from them, improving them, tweaking. At the end of the day, they want people to buy and sell because they make the commission off selling. So they, they can create quite a volatile market going up and down. They're going to make a lot of commission in itself and they're going to make money from the spreads because like people don't mind instant selling at big spreads, which makes them a lot of money. So I think they're trying to create a volatile market, but at the same time, they also want growth, general growth in the market as well. So I think it's a lot of trial and error going on. And I don't think we're seeing the whole picture. The board at Football Index know best, hopefully, and I trust them to do the right thing long term. They've employed a lot of people from the gambling sector, haven't they, in high roles. So it's obvious they have had some sort of influence. If the market just went up and up and up indefinitely, they wouldn't make any commission, would they? Because no one would be selling. So it's in their interest to have people short-term trading and selling a lot. I don't mind these, mon- you know, like traditional Monday, Sunday sell-offs. I quite like them because I think, well, Football Index is making some money today, so they'll be happy. And then this thing will rumble on for years to come. At the end of the day, if Football Index as a company is doing well, we're all benefiting from it. Yeah, it's a good way to sum it up, isn't it? I think I am not sure that those offers are definitely coming from that type of influence i think board members wouldn't get caught up too much with the type of that type of marketing if that makes sense i'm not saying that it's beneath them but i would think that if you ask me what would a board member have more influence on fi opening up in another territory or trying to acquire a company in the us or a few january sign-up offers i think i'd know where i'd hedge my bets and place my eggs so yeah it's it's one of those things where i just don't think it's too much of a concern for me personally at the moment remains to be seen i suppose one thing that gives me confidence in the company i might have forgot to say it but you know like when you do watch an ipo take off when they come on at about one pound 40 and it absolutely rockets doesn't it the enthusiasm for like it's like a feeding frenzy if there wasn't interest in football index then it just wouldn't shoot up like that you know so the interest in it is obviously growing but not just by numbers you can actually see things happening like at various points you know like whether it be forum signups or ipo feeding frenzies you can just see little signs that there is a lot of passion for the product there you've tracked us on to the final question here from fi mason big don what's your exit point on fi what signs from fi would scare you from holding so much money in the platform and then he's got a follow-up question would you rather invest 10k worth of shares into players below two pounds or 10k into the most expensive player I haven't really got an exit point for football index. I'll have to have an exit point for my players as they come up to three years. I do sell prior to three years if they give me a good reason because they're playing shit, for example, (laughs) or they get injured. I've got confidence in football index as a company. I'd like to see them do another trader meet so I can go and see them in person because that always gives me a bit more confidence. If I go to the next trader meet, then I can compare it to the ones I've been to before, like for the enthusiasm. I want football index to thrive as a company. Kim uh, Williams posted a poll of uh, locations recently. So they obviously got it on the radar, trading meat-wise anyway. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. She's come to the forefront quite a lot, hasn't she, on uh, Twitter, Kim? She seems to be doing quite a good job. I haven't had anything so far that scared me from investing a lot of money into the platform. I never intended on joining Football Index and putting too much in, but I just sort of, it was a slow grower, and then all of a sudden it happens that you've got a lot of money in it. But I've got no intentions of pulling the money out. I'm going to keep my level of deposits as it is and then keep turning it over, hopefully over years. And the last bit of that question, would you rather invest 10K? Well, you know me, I I like to spread my... Yeah, I think I know the answer to this one. I spread the money right through the market, but I do tend to get drawn towards players that I like. You know, if I see them play on the telly and I think 
they look really good, then I'll maybe put a bit more into them. Chris, what about you? I think my preference would be a spread as well. But if I was forced to choose between like 10k in a top player or 10k in under two pound, I think I'd go under two pound because I think the return would be better. Depends who the top player is, I suppose, because I think it's... Uh... I mean, if it was, for example, Neymar, I think Neymar at the moment's an easy 40-50% a year, 20% from divs, for example, and capital appreciation on top. I think I'd be confident in beating that with players below £2. Mm. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today, gents. Just over an hour, uh, an hour and a half. Sorry for you that were egging us on to go for the, the whole hog for three hours. The bar's been set, hasn't it? Really appreciate you guys coming back on. Don, for your fourth appearance, not third, apologies. Where can people find out more about you on uh, Twitter and so on and so forth? Oh, yeah, I'm a big Don at... Oh, I don't even know. Uh, you are... <laughs> <laughs> come, come back to me. Come back you're, to me. You're at Index Big. That's it, yeah. At Index That's my name. Big. That's my handle. Is it weird that I knew it and Don didn't? <laughs> it is. It... <laughs> just give this bit to Chris. Yeah, Chris, what about you, mate? Yeah, I just, like I said earlier in the pod, I, I sporadically uh, post on Twitter at Sacred UK on the forum. CJB is my forum name. I think we'll get you, you in for a rebrand, won't you, soon? <laughs> I, I'm going to start uh, a YouTube series, which is like kind of like Pimp My Ride, but uh, for, for Football Index Twitter. Are you going to give me an animal name or going to become FI Meerkat or something? <laughs> that would Animals be Animals go down quite well. Yeah, you got Panda, Frog... Goats, there's a couple of goats. You know, meerkats kind of like stretch upwards trying to look for predators and stuff. Maybe I'm looking for a deal mm. from a player. Oh, mm. yeah. Or some sort of like bird, good vision, you know, FI hawk or something like that. Uh, we haven't seen any birds yet. No, not that many. Not that many. It's like football index zoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, gents, uh, I super appreciate you coming on. Next time Chris comes on, I'm sure he'll be branded up as something else. If you guys are commuting right now, I hope you enjoy your commute. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, driving somewhere, washing your bathroom, tending to your field, gardening, have a great day. Sorry if we didn't get to answer all your questions. There were so many. Twitter, forum and uh, Index Game. Please keep asking them. Sorry we didn't get to answer all of them. As we mentioned during the show, Football Index is a gambling platform, not an investment platform. Only bet what you can afford to lose and stop when the fun stops. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.